On this episode, Tyler, Brett and Dude inviting Greg Snyder from Chicken Cock Whiskey to discuss his and the company's history while enjoying some of the whiskey the distillery is putting out. Tune in to hear Greg's legacy within the whiskey industry on this episode of The Bourbon Hunters. But before we get started, let me tell you about Greenline Goods. This four-year-old company is based in Chicago and creates high-quality etched and printed glassware. Check them out with the link in our Instagram bio and save 15% off using the discount code BourbonHunters. You can also check them out at GreenlineGoods.com. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us on our hunt for great bourbon. Reward yourself and sit back, grab a pour, kick up your feet, and enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Bourbon Hunters. I am Dupool. I'm joined by Brett Bryan. And we've got Tyler Schaefer with us remotely. And then we're also joined by Greg Snyder from uh, Chicken Cock. And uh, so we're going to talk some Chicken Cock today. That kind of rhymes a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so, uh, Greg, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself real quick before we uh, get into the actual brand and the whiskey? All right, will do. Well, first off, thanks for having me on uh, on Bourbon Hunters tonight. And, of course. Uh, appreciate uh, the opportunity to, to chat with you guys a bit. But, uh, yeah, my history goes way back. I, I started in this industry in 1978, right out of oh, college. Wow. Uh, I have a business degree from Indiana University. And uh, my senior you. year through career placement, um, you know, there's a, a, a Basically, companies would come in and they they had jobs, had job op, job opportunities. They they give they put a posting up on the board, and if you're interested, you'd sign up for an interview. And one of those companies I interviewed with was uh, Joseph E. Seigerman's son. They they had a facility in Louisville, Kentucky at that time, and and so I, I interviewed, and that was one of the job opportunities I got. And uh, of of the the opportunities I had, I said you know this is something I think I'd like to try. And it was all it was was a frontline supervisory position. And, uh, and so I did, and that's really how I got into it and really, really never looked back. Uh, you know, Seagram's was a great, great training ground. Uh, if, you know, you were, you were young and you were aggressive and you wanted to learn and you picked things up quick, it gave you an opportunity. And, and I was on a fast track. And uh, 1978, you got to remember that the, the whiskey industry was on a slow decline back then. It wasn't right. booming like it is today. And, and uh, unfortunately, like many companies, uh, after five years of being there, they decided to close that facility and consolidate their operations. And so, so that's what happened to that facility. But in that five years that I worked there, I, I was very blessed to work in, in basically every every uh, production department in that facility. You know, from the distillery dryer house, you know, making whiskey, to the barrel warehouse, filling barrels, putting barrels in rigs, taking them out, dumping barrels, gauging tanks, uh, filtration, blending, processing, receiving, shipping. Uh, quality, maintenance, basically every department. And it gave me a great training ground for, for the industry. And, and so uh, after that facility shut down, I had an opportunity, actually had an opportunity to relocate with them. They wanted to move me up to, to uh, the Warrensburg, Indiana facility, which is now the MGP uh, operation. And uh, they had a, a warehouse in Shannon, Ohio, a warehouse operation that I was going to manage for, they said, nine to 12 months. And then they were going to move me to New York City, to the corporate offices. And I said, that's not going to happen. So, uh, you know, I took the severance package. And part of the severance package, they pay for my education for 12 months, for one year. And uh, I had it in my, my goals to get my MBA. And so I was able to work it out with Bellarmine University in Louisville. They, they have a two-year MBA program. I pleaded with them and said, look, I got to get it done in a year. And they said, Matt, that's awfully tough. I said, I don't care. I've got to do it. So I, I did and was able to complete my MBA in a year's time. And and Seagram wow. paid for every penny of it. So it was it was a, a great, uh, great opportunity. But shortly thereafter, I went to work for Brown Foreman and started as a bottling manager on the afternoon shift. Um, did that for a little over a year. And then I got a couple of promotions. Actually, I, I was in charge of all the dry goods, any any bottles, glass, cardboard, you know, boxes, uh, closures, you name it. Everything the bottling operation needed um, in the way of dry goods, I was responsible for and, after doing that about nine months, then they added to those responsibilities, and I got all the wet goods as well, as far as uh, tank trucks coming down from Collingwood, Canada with Canadian mist that we bottled there in Louisville. Uh, tank trucks coming up from with Pepe Lopez tequila on it, and then also the early times warehouse operations. So 
Uh, I had basically had responsibility for everything that the bottling operation needed to, uh, you know, complete their their task. So, um, after doing that for a little over a year, uh, they they asked me if I would uh, go out to the cooperage, and so uh, I got another promotion. I actually went out to the Bluegrass Cooperage. Brown Foreman's really the only uh, distilling company that that owns their own barrel manufacturing operation, right. and back then it was called Bluegrass Cooperage. And so uh, I agreed. I went out to the cooperage, and it's funny. A lot of my friends and people I work with downtown at, at the Louisville operation, they looked at me, you know, puzzled, and, and they said, "Man, you got to be crazy." And why is that? I said, "Man, that's a hellhole out there." I mean, it's like you step back a century in time. It was hot. It was dirty. <laughs> it was smoky. It was loud. It was nasty. And I said, "You know what? I, I've learned how to make whiskey and age whiskey and bottle whiskey and ship whiskey." I said, "That barrel is such a critical component." Uh, to the finished product and making good quality whiskey. And so, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it. And so I did. And, and so I worked for Brown Foreman a total of 12 years. Uh, um, nine of those 12 years, I actually managed a cooperage operations and, and uh, I guess the ancillary uh, operations as well, as far as the stave mills and then the staves and the heading that we would purchase from, from other independently owned mills. And, and so it, it was a great, uh, great opportunity to, to learn uh, an important aspect of the whiskey industry that not many people get a chance to, to learn. And so um, in uh, 1998, um, you know, I had an opportunity to uh, to change positions and I actually went to work for Pernod Ricard. They owned a company called Wild Turkey Distillery at that time. <laughs> and I became the vice president of Austin Nichols and the managing director at Wild Turkey Distillery. So wow. um, I worked there for a little over 10 years and, and Jimmy and Eddie Russell both worked for me uh, in that capacity. And, and, uh, you know, Jimmy's Jimmy's one of those great guys that, uh, um, you know, you're truly blessed to, to meet in, in this life. And and all the guys that I'm, you know, during that era, uh, not just Jimmy being able to work with Jimmy, but, you know, we we frequently um, had social events and, uh, you know, we go over Booker Nose House for, for a barbecue and bourbon or Elmer T. Lee. We, you know, socialize with Elmer and, and Parker Beam and that whole old guard, you know. But Jimmy's the last of those true Mohicans that grew up with corn dust under their fingernail and, and really you know, made, made, made bourbon and truly deserved that, uh, that title of master distiller. But, um, anyhow, I did that for 10 years. Uh, then I got an opportunity to move to Maine. I went up and worked for a company called White Rock Distilleries in Lewiston, Maine. And you're probably not familiar with them. They were a privately owned company. Um, they had a couple of the big, uh, big hit items, but, uh, the, the, the big product they had when I was there was a product called Pinnacle Vodka. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, actually, we we created the dessert category of uh, flavored vodkas. Oh, wow. um, I remember when uh, those was on the innovation popular. team actually yeah. when they came out with Pinnacle Whip. I don't know if you ever tried Pinnacle Whip, the whipped cream yeah. flavored vodka. Yep. That was like the that. first one I feel. Yeah. Pinnacle yeah. got me through college. <laughs> <laughs> that was honestly tastes like like whipped cream. It's yeah, it's amazing. That's crazy. So that was my um, go-to. Pinnacle was always my go-to flavored vodka over you know anything else. It was everybody's. Yeah. It seems. I mean, and everyone yeah. used to drink that whipped cream vodka. And I remember when that first came out, like you're talking about. Now, do they still well, have that whipped cream? Anyway, vodka? Three three yeah. years in a row, and it was actually headed to the fourth year. Three years in a row, it was the the fastest growing spirits in the in the U.S. Not wow. just vodka spirits. I mean. I think I got the first year I got there, it was like at uh, 800,000 cases. It went from 800,000 cases to 1.2 million. Jeez. The next year it went from 1.2 to 2.7 million. And then That's the crazy. next year it went from 2.7 to 3.2. And it was on track to, to hit 4 million cases. Uh, and then in June of, of uh, I think it was 2012, uh, Jim Beam acquired the brand and, and a small rum brand that, that uh, the company owned and in the plant assets. And so, um, Beam acquired it in June of, of 2012. In July of 2012, they approached me and asked me if I would move back to Kentucky and head up the uh, the transition of, of the, the brands back into uh, the Frankfurt facility in, in Kentucky. And so uh, that's kind of what brought me back to, to my home uh, home roots. And that uh, um, I did that. It took a little over, I guess, a little over a year. And uh, then an opportunity came along, uh, and I became the vice president of Western Spirits in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, you may be familiar with them. They they mm-hmm. um, they make bird dog whiskeys, Calumet Farm bourbon, Sam Houston bourbon, some of those items. But uh, I was living and working in Bowling Green, which is about two hours from my home where I live now in southern Indiana. It's just too far to commute. So I was living and working in Bowling Green during the week and, and driving back home on weekends. And I did did that for a little over three and a half years. And 
and my wife started having some some health issues and so uh, i decided to ramp up my retirement plan and that was not retire but start my own consulting company and, and that's how i actually hooked up with grain and barrel spirits who owns chicken cock whiskey and and um, started out uh, consulting for him, helping him with some supply chain things and, and a few operational issues. And then one day, the, the founder of the company, Marty Antla, Marty acquired the brand rights in 2011. I can go on the history here later on of the brand, but 2011 is when Marty actually acquired the brand rights to, to Chicken Cock Whiskey. And like most small companies, he needed cash flow. You know, he didn't have a distillery. He didn't have the operational assets that most companies, bigger companies have. And so when he acquired the the, uh, the brand rights chicken cock, he would he was able to to source some six month old whiskey, some young whiskey. He put it in an aluminum bottle and he flavor it with I don't know, it had root beer flavor, they had a cinnamon flavor, and it served its purpose. It created cash flow, but it didn't help bring the brand back to its high quality prominence that, that it once had. And so uh, I started working for him. I started June of 2017 is when I actually started. Uh, my consulting company, and I started working with these guys in July of that year. Anyhow, a few months into it, Marty approached me one day, and he shared his vision of wanting to resurrect chicken cock back to Kentucky and bring it back to its high-quality prominence. And he asked me if I would help him do that and serve in the role of master distiller. And I said, I'll do that on one condition. You stop buying this young crap, and let's truly focus <laughs> on, on, on bringing it back to its high-quality prominence. So he, he agreed, and that's uh, part of what I've been working on for the, for the last five plus years now. So, All right. uh, so that's how I got connected with Chicken Cut. That's a that's an impressive that's, story. Yeah, I enjoyed every story. minute of that. Like seriously, just every the way it evolved into all the people that you've been around, and that is fantastic. Well, there's just that legacy aspect. Yeah, of, and that's what I think brings a lot of people to Bourbon. Anyway, is just that whole story mm-hmm. and that, that yeah. legacy. But that's that's awesome. Some of the people that you've uh, interacted with, and some of the places that you've gotten to work, that's that's great. All I needed was yeah. a bonfire, and I would have been content just listening to that <laughs> yeah. and, and some bourbon and right. like, well, you know, that's what it's about. But you're not starting a fire. <laughs> I could sit here all night so. and tell you stories about it. Oh. When you get around guys like Jimmy and, and and Booker and Elmer, you know that's when you just shut up and you turn into a sponge and you soak <laughs> up all you can. Because those guys, uh, uh, they they were they're quite the true Kentucky gentlemen and and uh, and knew so much. And it was just uh, just a blessing being around them. Oh, I bet, I bet. So you brought up some whiskey there, Chicken Cock. We've got uh, Chicken Cock uh, Kentucky Straight Bourbon whiskey in front of us. We've also got. Uh, chicken cock, uh, straight rye whiskey, and also the Island Rooster. Uh, we're going to go through all three of these today. Uh, we're going to start off with the uh, straight bourbon whiskey right now. Um, that is a 90 proof. Did you want to introduce the uh, the brand real quick? And the uh, Yeah, be glad it, to. Uh, I know we're just on audio, but you guys, you see the bottle. And, yep. uh, We've got, you got in front a of us, sample yep. of the bottle. Yeah, if you look at that, these this bottle, actually both bottles that uh, you'll see tonight, are replicas of pre-prohibition bottles that Chicken Cock use. You know, Chicken Cock's an old brand. It goes back, uh, it originated in Paris, Kentucky in 1856. So it's an old, old brand. It's older than the Civil War, older than Jack Daniels, and it's, it's been around a long, long time. But uh, these bottles, both bottles, are actually replicas of pre-prohibition bottles that Chicken Cock was bottled in. And then back then, they were pint sizes. And we just blew it up to a 750 milliliter. But yeah. see that honeycombing pattern on the mm-hmm. outside of the glass? Yeah. Mimics chicken wire. That's, what, oh, that's okay. what I was thinking. Yeah, it looks just like that's it. That's awesome. I like that old it's bottle. So, it, it reminds me of something like you'd find like in your grandpa's basement or, you know what I mean? It just has like a dusty look to it. Yeah. yeah. It does. I, was, I was just going to say that it has the, the dusty <laughs> bottle look to it, which is awesome. Yeah, we, we get a lot of compliments on the packaging. And, and, and again, it's it's nothing uh, innovative on our part. It's just to cop in the what chicken cock used to be bottled. <laughs> I so, mean, when you already have something that uh, great. The bourbon itself, it's actually um, 90 proof, as you mentioned. And it is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Now, when I started with them um, in 2017, and, and Marty asked me to serve in the role of master distiller and resurrect the brand, again, small company, they don't have uh, their own distillery. And so what I did is I negotiated a contract, an agreement with Bardstown Bourbon Company. I'm sure you guys are familiar with Bardstown Bourbon Company. Sure, uh-huh. Steve Nally, there, there's another great master distiller. Steve Nally was a master distiller, maker's mark. For many many years you know bill samuels and a few others were in the limelight but but you know steve was always behind the curtain making the making the whiskey and making it happen but steve's a, a dear friend of mine he's been in the business i think well, he just celebrated his 50th anniversary so wow. a few years longer than i have i've been in it i'm into my 45th year so wow. uh but anyhow I, I when i worked i was vice president of operations at western spirits that's when i first reached out to steve and 
and at the time David Mandel and worked with their crew to uh, uh, start a relationship for for Western Spirits. And then uh, when I started working with, with Grain and Barrel, likewise, I reached out to them and we were able to uh, um, come to terms on, on an agreement with them as well. But they have what they call a collaborative distillation program. Right. And through that program, I basically give them the mash bills for our, our whiskeys, our bourbon and our rye, but then I also give them the work instructions. I give them the time and temperatures I want to cook the grains. I give them the enzymes I want to use. I give them, you know, the specifications for fermentation, beer chemistry, and distillation. And then when they make our whiskey, I actually go down and oversee the process. You know, essentially we're using their equipment, their employees, and then I have oversight over everything that they do for, for chicken cock whiskey. And so it, it's a great program. Uh, they've got a fantastic team and a fantastic facility, and they're making phenomenal whiskey. So yeah, we, uh, uh, could we be proud of that there. relationship. We were, what was it? Oh, you weren't with us, Brett, but uh, Tyler and I did a tour there in December. And it was, what was amazing about them, to me anyway, is that they seemed like a very more, um, I, I guess, uh, contemporary or, or I guess new age, if you will. Like everything was so clean. It looked brand new, computerized. Everything was, you know, modern. Done. Yeah, modern. That's the yeah. word I was trying to say when I said contemporary, but <laughs> modern. Uh, but but yeah, so it, it was just amazing at how uh, advanced it looked. Um, you know, when you when you go into Maker's Mark or you go into, you know, even Buffalo Trace and everything just looks and I know Buffalo Trace has overhauled everything now. And, and but but you look at those uh, th- there's this air of um, of history there and, and Bardstown Bourbon Company, I, I feel like you don't really get that feeling because you know it's a it's pretty much been built from the ground up there you know recently so you know they did the thing that I would have probably done and and tried to advance it into you know the modern era with everything being I'm sure it's the same way everywhere it just doesn't feel that way everywhere else you know I think that's the difference. Barstown carried that over to their like visitor center so they basically said you know like hey this is what our production side is going to look like but also you know, we want to carry that over to our, oh, yeah. you know, customer Restaurants experience. Gift shop and everything. Yeah. No, completely yeah. agree. Um, and it looks awesome. They're just yeah. doing something different. Yeah, it was it was a great, uh, great facility, I think. And, and it was uh, uh, a nice place to visit. But um, so let's go ahead and nose, anyway. let's nose this real quick. Tyler, what are we going to say? So, yeah. So, yeah, let's nose this. Now, what this is, you know, when I started laying whiskey down there uh, shortly after we, we uh, agreed to uh, uh, to our collaborative program, and um, so we started laying whiskey down there. Part of my job since that time, while that whiskey was aging, was to go out and try to find good quality whiskey that we could source, acquire, and basically put on the chicken cock label. And so for the last, what, four and a half years, whatever, um, that's what I've been doing until ours actually got of age. Now, what you're tasting today actually has, it's predominantly some of the four-year-old that I was responsible for producing. But it also has a little bit of seven-year-old, a little bit of fifteen-year-old. Oh wow! Again, mm-hmm. proof, so let's go ahead and nose it, and uh, I'd, I'd love to hear your comments, good or bad. I'm a big boy. Uh, you know, <laughs> so I got tough skin, so it, and, it, and Greg, hurt my feelings uh, either. Uh, side note, uh, I you know I know that uh, Brett and dude feel the same. We always appreciate when a, a brand is is honest about where their bourbon's coming from and their entire process. You know, there's some that are like, uh, you know, they're just like him haunt about it. <laughs> and we just love when someone's just like, Hey, Transparency, this, is, this yeah. is what we're doing. This is where yeah. we get it from. And, and I think that's awesome that you have your own touch over the process as well. Yeah. I, I believe in transparency as much as I can. You know, there's some things that we do. And we'll probably get into that before the night's done, but uh, you know, sometimes you have to sign a non-disclosure and you can't really, yeah. be totally honest with people sure. and, I'm, and right. I'll be honest with you and tell you I can't be totally honest <laughs> yeah. but, uh, uh, but I do believe in transparency and we've got nothing to hide we're very proud of the fact that uh, you know Barstown Bourbon Company is the the home of chicken cock whiskey and uh, and so hopefully it will be for many many years to come I, I will say that uh, you could definitely end up in worse hands for sure so that's right a, yeah. I mean that's a good place to be i so I get some sweetness on this. Um, yeah, very classic bourbon smells, like like you said, caramel sweetness. There's an underlying corn, like it's almost like a candy corn to it, to to me. Um, I get a little on the fruit side too. But it is. I, I feel like every time I go in with my nose, there's something something else happening too. Yeah. Um, I do get a little bit of vanilla. Uh, it's it's a little bit lesser, and I I feel like I'm getting a little bit of almost. Uh, 
maybe just a touch of the oak, maybe maybe coming in from that odor. So that's good. Yeah, I like the nose so far. I'm gonna jump into this. Yeah, it's no like doubt. a it's almost like a cherry wood or something, you know. Well, immediately. Oh yeah, some of that oak comes through in there. The oak, yeah, and, and it's viscous. It's got a little bit of um, yeah, it really shines through on the palate. Yeah, right? it does. Yeah. So I, it, it, what's interesting is, <laughs> you said all the years, and I feel like I'm getting something from each one of the years. I feel like I'm getting a little bit of the corn, you know, maybe from some of the uh, the younger, younger, yeah, and then the oak from some of the older, and then some of those traditional from. Did you say some seven year in there as well? Four, seven, and fifteen. There's some said? seven, uh, four, seven, and fifteen. Yep. So yeah, I feel like I'm getting something from each one of those. That's. And That's they all kind of really hit my nice. tongue in a different spot, like yeah, the front of my sure, tongue, yeah. some like the sweeter in the corn, and the back of my tongue, some more of that oakiness mm-hmm. that I like. There's a there's a good uh, mouth coating with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and to be honest, you know, for a ninety proof, it's got a really good finish too. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. It's. Uh, am I getting like an allspice on the back side of it? You know, like tell a, us. It's. I don't know what you're getting. <laughs> no, there's a there's a spice in there. I agree, Tyler. There's a. Now, do you uh, disclose the mash bill at all, or is that one of the... Uh... Well, our base mash bill is a 70% corn, 21% wow. rye, and 9% malted barley. Okay. Uh, oh, that's the, I think the seven-year-old, as I recall, was, a, what was it a 74... Um, let's see, 74-18-8. Okay. Uh, it was all rye bourbon. And then I think the 15 was like, um, it was 74... Let's see, no. 78 and a half... Eight and a half and thirteen. Oh wow, that's a decent amount of uh, barley. So, yeah, it, yeah, it's you know it, it's kind of a, a little complexity, but but our base going forward, our, our base uh, mash bill that, that we're making at Barstown Bourbon Company is a seventy corn, twenty one rye, and nine percent malted barley. That's still a decent. That's a nice rye content. Barley. Yeah, both, yeah. both yeah. the barley I and the I think it's just right for my palate. Yeah, and that's uh, kind like of that. it's like turkey. They've got that little bit higher rye content, and I like that. Well, and it kind well, of wild turkey you're talking about? Yeah. You know, well, people call that a high rye, but it's it's, it's not, mash bill, and right. every drop of wild turkey is the same mash bill. Yeah. It's it's 75 corn, 13 rye, right. and 12% malted barley. And a lot of people call it a high rye, but it, it's, it's I know. Yeah. compared to others, it's really not a high rye. It must just shine people. through more for me than for some reason. I think it does shine through a lot more yeah. than, than it, it appears based on the mash bill. But. I like that. I do, too. Yeah, this is good. I've uh, and to be fair, you know what's funny is um, my wife and I are exact opposites when it comes to uh, packaging. Okay. She'll she'll buy the pretty little package all the time, and I've passed by this chicken cock on the shelves probably you know a, a number of times, mm-hmm. and I love the bottle. I think it's awesome. Oh, I love the bottle too. But like because of the <laughs> because of the name chicken cock, I was just like, oh, that's got to be like gimmicky or something. Yeah. But it's actually really good. This is this is good yeah. bourbon. I'm going to have to keep this on the shelf. So the second drink, more that oak came through. Yeah. Also, like the age on the each, second drink definitely came through. Each drink, I'm getting a little yep. bit more. That first one, I got the visceral reaction. I think, same because I hadn't had anything all day. And same. Um, the as I drink more and more of it, it's it's definitely growing in complexity. And I think the fact that this is an 80, or sorry, 90 proof, that, that I think that this is something that I could sip on, no oh, problem. Yeah. But I feel like it's got enough of the spice to it that it, if you wanted to throw it into a, a mixed drink or a, a cocktail or something, you could still do that, and it would still it would still make its presence known, for sure. Yeah, yeah, very, nice. very versatile, you're right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to keep this on the shelf, because mm-hmm. this is good. This is really good. I, I, I love bourbons that you know, show a little bit more spice on them. Yeah, same. I well, do too, especially uh, when you know it's not the the proof coming through. Right. Yeah, you know, exactly. That, and when you know it's a 90 proof, and, and full transparency for us, most of us, I think all three of us actually enjoy a lot yeah. of barrel proof stuff. Um, so to get this type of, uh, you know, spice, like spice and linger yeah. on a 90 proof is nice. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely that's, that's nice. fantastic. That rye is, Yeah, you uh, know, I, that's one of the beauties, too, of the luxuries that I've been given as master distiller, is that um, before we bottled anything, I actually had the oversight and control over establishing what the, the bottling proof was going to be. You know, from a business perspective, you know, you want to bottle it 80 proof and get as many <laughs> bottles out of that barrel as you can and, right. and you know, make as much money as you can. But when, when Marty committed... Um, to my request to truly bring this brand back to its high quality prominence, 
that's a part of the picture, a big part of the picture. And so what I try to do is I try to uh, taste it barrel proof because I love high proof stuff. I love barrel proof stuff as well. But there, there's a, a good balance there between mm -hmm. you know, economics and, 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 and maintaining the quality aspects of sure. it. So I basically start knocking it down till I get to the point where I feel the alcohol burn kind of subsides and allows the, the flavors to overtake the profile without over diluting those flavors. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for, for our bourbon and our rye, 90 proof was, was the, uh, the ideal spot. And, and some of the other renditions we've come out with over the last five years, uh, it's varied. And, and just like the, the Island Rooster we're going to taste later, it's actually a 95 proof product. And, and I, I did, you know, a similar uh, process with that to establish the 95 proof. So, yeah, I'm actually pretty excited about that. Island I am Rooster, too. Yeah. So. But yeah. I'm with you, Tyler. The mouthfeel on this and the viscosity is, is great. It's right yeah. where I like it to be. Me too. That was the first thing I noticed as soon as it, mm -hmm. as soon as it hit the lips, I, I felt the, the viscosity to it. And then like you said, it, the, the flavors just kind of hit me yeah, all the way back. Different parts of the tongue. Yeah. All the way back. Um, so mine's actually already gone. Yeah, mine so too. I think I've got a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, as a side note, I, I primed with the Jack Daniels. They're they're bonded, and I would drink, you know, that chicken cock bourbon over the Jack Daniels bonded any day. <laughs> Did you get a lot of peanut dust when you did that? It is, and, and that's I, a that's peanut a flavor dust. I like. But it, like, it's uh, almost when a, it's just like punching when it's just yeah. peanuts punching you in the face. You're like. Ugh. <laughs> Pronounce the T. Make sure you pronounce the T. So, uh, <laughs> it's interesting you say that, Tyler, because, uh, you know, like I said, nine years I managed the Cooperage operations. We made every barrel for Jack Daniels in that nine years. Uh, probably close to two and a half million to be exact. But, yeah. uh, uh, and I'd go down, I spent a lot of time in Lynchburg. I get down there at least once a month, if not twice a month. And, and you know, when we'd have functions, um, you know, well, if I was down in Lynchburg, I'd usually drink Jack Daniels. But yeah. if it was at a Brown Foreman function, uh, I'd always opt for the old Forester because uh, I'm a, I was weaned on bourbon and and something about that that maple sweetness with with the Jack Daniels didn't really it's okay but it didn't agree in my palate I prefer for the you know the uh, old we're old Forester homes here oh yeah I, I, I wholeheartedly agree Jack Daniels has never been something that I've enjoyed you know even you know from well like that's not true just getting into single uh, the single the barrel whiskey. barrel proofs you like. Oh, those are just outrageous. But that's a complete, those are yeah, that's a completely different product almost. I, it's it, crazy. It is. Have you tried the Koi Hill yet? No, I we haven't gotten a, we haven't gotten a, a bottle of that. We well, can't find it. You've got to get a sample of that. Well, you I, know, it is phenomenal. I bet. I did see. I bet Jason I has see, a bottle. Um, today, and, and I have no idea. It's the first time I've ever seen it. It was the Jack Daniels 2013 Holiday Edition. It was sitting on a shelf, <laughs> and. Yeah, it was it was fairly it was like a two hundred you know it was secondary, but it was uh, sit on the shelf for two hundred bucks, and I was like, huh, it wasn't the Koi Hill, so I was like, I'm not getting that. I bet Jason has a bottle of that. He might, around. yeah. We'll have to ask him to bring a sample. So, uh, yep. all right. So let's uh, let's talk about the brand. Um, so we've poured out a little bit of the rye whiskey just to let it sit in the glass, um, but while that's sitting in the glass, uh, having a chance to react with the uh, the air. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, about Chicken Cock, the history of the uh, well, I story. Can. I know, 1856, you, you alluded you to it earlier, dude. You talked about, you know, some people are kind of hung up by the name. Uh, <laughs> and they, they kind of look at that name and kind of give it a funny look. And, <laughs> and it, it tends to attract people, believe it or not. Uh, oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. Shelf. And so, you know, I, I do tastings all over the country. And the first question I get is, where the hell did you come up with that thing? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so and, and what I tell people, you know, the brand originated in 1856 in Paris, Kentucky. A gentleman by the name of James A. Miller built the distillery, and he was making a whiskey he was so proud of, he felt it was worth crowing about. And so that's why he called it chicken cock whiskey. Now, 1856, you got to remember, Americans were still using the old English language. Sure. And the term for a male chicken was a cock. The term right. rooster didn't come about to the late 1800s, early 1900s. And so and so that's where it got its name, you know. And again, there's uh, you'd be amazed. I do tastings where towards late in the night, people have probably been well over served. And, uh, <laughs> there's all kinds of comedians out there that come up and uh, ask me for, uh, you know, a, a sample of my cock or whatever. But it's uh, you get, get all that. Oh, that's fine. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, and so anyhow, uh, a lot of neat history. The brand did great, had a very good quality reputation. Um, then 1920 comes along and Prohibition shuts it down like many other distilleries. And he sold the brand to a company in Montreal, Canada. They made a rye whiskey, Canadian rye whiskey, 
and they'd bottle that rye whiskey under the chicken cock label. And then they'd take that bottle and they would seal it in a tin can. The tin can kind of protected the bottle when it was bootlegged back into the U.S. And so it showed up in a lot of speakeasies. But one of, one of its claims to fame, one of Chicken Cock's claims to fame, it was the actual house whiskey at the Cotton Club in Harlem, New York, during the Roaring Twenties, oh. probably the most famous speakeasies. And, and so uh, it got a lot of no notoriety during that. Uh, prior to Prohibition being repealed, about a couple of years before Prohibition was repealed, National Distillers reacquired the brand. They had a subsidiary that actually had a medicinal alcohol permit. So they bought the brand back, started the distillery back up, and they were making medicinal alcohol the last couple of years of Prohibition. Uh, if you ever get to Bardstown, uh, Bardstown Bourbon Company, there's a museum there called the Oscar Getz Museum. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to go through that or not, but if you ever get to Bardstown, you got to go to the Oscar Getz. It has the entire history of, of the whiskey industry in Kentucky, and they have a lot of old, old bottles on display, and they have a bunch of the old bottles of, of uh, chicken cock on display, too, pre-prohibition, and they actually have a medicinal alcohol label uh, chicken cock on display as well there. So oh, that's pretty cool. cool place. That is very cool. Does does Bardstown Bourbon in their um, their old history room? Do they have a bottle of chick, you know pre prohibition chicken cock? No, in the vintage library, none of the old bottles. No. Okay. No. Not that I've seen it. You know, uh, unless they acquired it uh, within the last couple of weeks. But no, I don't. I don't <laughs> okay. Prior to that, no, I don't believe so, Connor. But um, so anyhow, uh, prohibition's repealed. The brand does great. Has a very good uh, quality reputation. And then somewhere around 1950, early 1950s, the distillery had a fire and burnt to the ground. And the company that owned it decided not to rebuild. And the brand just sat idle. Now, fast forward 60 years later, and that's when uh, Marty Anto, the founder of Grain and Barrel Spirits, was, look, was looking for a whiskey brand. He did a lot of research, and he ran across the history of chicken cock and found it interesting. And so he was able to acquire the brand rights. Um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the, he started out, uh, you know, needing cash flow. And so uh, he brought the brand back, but uh, we're just now, again, in the last five years, we've been working on the resurrection back to Kentucky and bringing it back to its high quality prominence. And, and that bourbon you're tasting and the rye that we'll soon taste uh, are the first two uh, uh, examples of, of that resurrection. Well, I mean, I did read on the, uh, on the website, the story. Um, and it, it was funny because after I read that, I felt a little bad that I had never bought a bottle mm -hmm. because, you know, what everything you just mentioned, you know, it was it was talking about a lot of that stuff, the speakeasy, the the history, the uh, uh, Miller's uh, whiskey and all that stuff. So it, it was kind of neat. And I, I think one of the things that we've always been attracted to is that history. Oh, I love history. Not, not yes. the made up histories of some of the places, but but right. the actual history of, of, you know, some of these uh, distilleries is just outstanding. And I think that's one of the things I love is, is I feel like even if it is a newer, you know, make or something, you just feel like you're tasting history in a bottle mm -hmm. or history in a glass. And I just, I love that. So you just did a quick intro of that rye. Um, is there any, so let's introduce this Ooh. rye here. I, I, uh, of the three of us, I am the least rye friendly of, of the group. Um, this smells really good, though. There are some ryes I like. The nose is outrageous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Michter's well, rye. You, you say that, dude. I, I, you know, a lot of the tastings I do, a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to try the rye. You know, I'm, I'm a bourbon drinker. I don't care for yeah. rye. I swear, just, it, you know, doesn't cost you anything. You pay for the price with me. Just, just, <laughs> I'll try it. And them. so we yeah. taste it and say, holy cow. And I'm, I tell you, we get so many compliments to this rye. It, it just received a double gold. Uh, at one of the institute tastings or whatever, but um, it's 90 proof as well. And this is actually, this was every drop that we bottled came came from Bardstown Bourbon Company. Okay. I didn't do any sourcing on this one it's, itself. And so uh, this is a 95% rye, 5% malted barley. And when oh, we wow. first came out with this a couple of years ago, um, it was funny. People would taste, smell it. they taste it and say, wow, that's fabulous. They said, well, they, how old is it? And I said, well, how old do you think it is? And people said, oh, it's five or six years old. And I'd take the, if I was there face to face with her, I'd take the bottle and turn it around. And I said, see right there? I said, if it's less than four years old, you have to make an age statement on the, on the label. And right by the UPC code, it said age at least two years old. Well, when we first bottled it, it was just right at two and a half years old. Yeah. And it's amazing that how much flavor the rye can extract out of the barrel so much quicker. It's, it's oh, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone and what says, you're tasting today yeah. is, is a little over four years old, actually. A little over, okay. So Ooh, usually, wow. I mean, usually a 95.5 is going to be from MGP when, right. you, when you hear about it. So that's the, so that's interesting that you have the same, 
I know that there's more to it than that, but uh, same yeah, there's, bill. there's a number of ninety-five fives out there. You know, when yeah. I was managing director of Wild Turkey, you know, we made a rye whiskey, and I don't think Jimmy would would admit it, but he didn't really care for it either. We we didn't make a lot of it, and it had a thirty, it had like thirty-five percent corn in the mash bill, and it just had a bitterness, a harshness that I I really didn't care for. My palate just didn't didn't care for. It. Yeah. But when when we decided to come out with a rye for for chicken cock. You know, I did some research myself, and, and I found some of these 95 fives were just phenomenal. I said, you know, boom, that, that's the mash bill I'd like to well, adopt. I mean, there's so a reason MPP we kind of probably the, uses the it, work right? instructions with Barstown Bourbon Company, and that's, that's what we produced. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, really it makes good. sense. I mean, that's it's in, it tends to be what a lot of people like to go gravitate toward. So, um, you know, I, I think the only other uh, – we like Michter's. Uh, we also like here in, in our oh, hometown, yeah. Middle West Spirits, they, they do a – it's more of a four grain rye whiskey, but it's but it's still a really good. They use a dark dark pumpernickel rye for theirs, um, and it's and it's phenomenal. Um, we love it. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think Brett Tyler they both really enjoy like the rye. Yeah, yeah I I like some, but I don't like the things some people like. Willet, I'm not a big fan of the Willet rye, um, but that's just me. So. Right, right off the bat, um, this has a really great mouthfeel to it. Um, Skipping the nose. Uh, yeah, I just, <laughs> I just dove right in. I mean, the, the nose was fantastic. Um, in my opinion, super fruity. Mm-hmm. I wish I could recreate uh, the first sniff that I smelled it. I know. Because it's kind of like stuck in my nose now, yeah. right? I need like, some coffee to yeah. smell or something. But um, and One of the things that I... I like about rise is usually like the nose for the nose really doesn't match the palate all that much. Um, I'll agree with that for sure. Oh, and Mm. Holy cow. I really like the nose, but it's, this is, (laughs) this is not like a will at rye at all. I get no deal in this. I'm not getting Um, a deal. This is, I'm getting a hundred percent. This is something I would sip on. Yeah. This is great. This is really good. I'm not, uh, like I said, I'm not a huge rye guy. Everyone knows that. I think if you listen to the episodes, you know I'm Mm -hmm. not a big, there's some that I like. Like I said, I've enjoyed the Mictors that we've had. I've enjoyed the Midwest Spirits. This is, this is probably up there with one of my favorite ryes. And this is, I mean, that's quick, a quick, you know, uh, I'm actually really excited about this Island Rooster now. I might be getting some green apple in here. That sounds kind of crazy, but there's a hundred percent. Okay, there was all right. Something no. on the back side of this. Yeah, that I was like, what the fuck? You're not, is this? You're not crazy. This is all right. Well, that's what I'm enjoying. Then is the green apple. I'm like, is it just me that I have something weird to eat before I came over? But it must be all this green. Nope. Yeah, that it's, makes it's, me feel better. It's like a it's a tarty uh, flavor, and it's not like um, you know, it's not really a, a sweet apple. Um, like, like you said, the green apple is spot on with that. No, but it's a, wel- it, lasts. it's a welcome it lingers tart. quite a bit yeah. too. This is good. I it's like very this. Good. And it's, it, what's interesting to me is you remember when we did that heaven hill tasting and they said that second tastings for free, <clears throat> yeah. like the breath mm-hmm. out, the breath out for me is sweet. Like yeah. there's a sweetness on the way out as I'm exhaling that is just staying in my mouth that is this is a good rye. I, I want I want to drink this on like an October day at an apple orchard. I like oh it. yeah. I like it. Apple orchard. Like pumpkin picking yeah. and drink this. Heck yeah. yeah. You know we could go to the uh that Dickens uh farm and get some of their Dickens <laughs> cider. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> An old Bob and Tom skid. I bring it up every <laughs> once in a while. Bob and Tom. <laughs> Dickens cider. <laughs> And then, you know, on those cold days, you can have the uh, hard dick insider. So, yeah. sorry. <laughs> sorry, Greg. We're, we're uh, kids, no, we're kids I mean, at heart. Yeah, I'm <laughs> right, okay, yeah, you probably heard of him. Every morning as I was driving to Wild Turkey. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to, I don't remember. I, it spanned probably a good 10 years. It was on me. a long time, yeah. yeah. Long that, time. I was, that I was listening. But, uh, hard dick insider <laughs> with a little bit of uh, cock in there. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of spiked with some chicken, chicken cock. Yeah. <laughs> No, this is good. This I really like this. Good. I can good. see why it's uh, one. You said double gold. Yeah, actually, the the bourbon and the rye both won a double gold here recently at uh, one of the tasting institutes. Uh, but it it was, uh, yeah, I I it's drink my good. whiskey neat or on the rocks yeah, typically. Same. And but uh, I got to tell you, especially this this rye. You mentioned the mixability of the bourbon itself. But this rye makes a, a killer old fashioned. If you like an old fashioned or a Manhattan, but the old fashioned in particular. 
holy cow, the spicy and peppery notes of it is just phenomenal. I will be uh, testing that out. <laughs> I, I, I know we're just kind of on that, but I would love to put some in uh, some apple cider. Did you just reboot, Tyler? I uh, could have. There, there was a, yeah, the weird, I don't know. Maybe anyway. like a bandwidth thing, who knows? No, it's I think it's it was either him. my internet or my brain. One I think two. it was your brain. <laughs> you never know. The internet looked fine. So, <laughs> no, is fine. this is, uh, this is really good. I, I can't say it enough to be honest. I, and I, I, and I get, I get, I get a little blubbery when it comes to a good rye, like that actually surprises me and, and sticks with me. So that's, uh, yeah. that's what's happening right now. And, and I know sometimes, uh, it, it can come off as a, a negative, you know, like, uh, will it pot still uh, as a, winter time drink you know if you're ever gonna drink that <laughs> but i i feel like this is a really good early fall drink yeah yeah it's crisp and it has yeah. a good mouthfeel it has a lot of flavor to it um you're right though it doesn't have that traditional dill flavor which i'm a i'm a fan that it does not have that mm-hmm. uh, it's funny because i love pickles but i don't like dill in my whiskey in your drinks i don't like yeah. it i don't like that flavor in my whiskey but this is this doesn't have it I can definitely I take, taste the rye spice. It's good. Um, yeah, I ninety proof is probably just a right. Oh yeah, this a is good place this, this is just right. This is right where it should be. Perfect sipper. Um, yeah, I, and I'm definitely going to test it out on a uh, an old, <laughs> old fashioned. Oh yeah, that'd be great in an old fashioned. Yeah, that's the other thing with the the, the proof itself. You know, I, what I try to to achieve in the right proof is number number one, the flavor of it. Don't want to over dilute the flavors. But yeah. number two, you still want that Kentucky hug. You don't want right. to burn your esophagus, but you want that little Kentucky hug that as it goes down and and uh, uh, you know gives you that that great feeling, warm feeling. Yeah, and I you're you're getting it for sure because you know at ninety proof, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to feel like it's. Uh, a, a huge alcohol mm-hmm. or an ethanol type of flavor. This is definitely a, a rye spice uh, linger in the uh, Kentucky hug. It's it's nice. It's it's good. It's warming, um, and it just it sticks there. And like I said, that that breath out, that exhale. Mm-hmm. It's just a sweet. Uh, I don't know residual something that that's just nice and flavorful. I like it. And this too is also gone. <laughs> so we're two for two so far. All right, I like it. This Island Rooster, uh, uh, you've set us up now. I think uh, this Island Rooster better deliver because I, I love rum finished. Oh rice. yeah, um, big fan. So this is this is uh, you're gonna have to pour this out, Tyler B or Brett. Tyler, you can't pour anything out. Which one is this glass clean? I'm assuming that's the clean one. Yep. So uh, I guess give us a little bit of history on the uh, Island Rooster. Um, this is a rye whiskey that's finished in rum barrels, right? That's correct. Yeah. So the, the package you see, it's, it's different than the other bottle. It's got a starbursting bossing on the glass. Again, this is another replica of a pre-prohibition bottle. But this one has the old-fashioned jigger cap. Yeah. Bossing, metal cap. That's got, oh, that's you know, cool. Screws, got the cork finish. And, you know, you can use that as a shot glass, basically. But, uh, uh, you know, a lot of bottles yeah. back during that era and actually when i started in, in 1978 a lot of the pint bottles still um had a some sort of a jigger cap on them but uh every year chicken cock does uh, or, or grain and barrel does a couple of what we call ltos limited time offerings they're yeah. very limited editions and um and and it's usually kind of a, a one-off we typically don't repeat them this past year um you know, Monty, the founder, he came out with one called uh, Chicken Cock Cotton Club. It was basically his his brainchild, his baby, and and he was able to find some uh, some twenty year old Canadian rye uh, that he he paid homage to the brand back during the Roaring Twenties when the brand was the uh, was the house whiskey at Cotton Club. And so that was one of the LTOs we did this year. But the other one was the Chicken Cock Island Rooster. And, and when Monty and I were talking about LTOs last year. I said, you know, I really love the spicy peppery notes of our rye. I think we got one of the best ryes on the market. I said, you know, if we could enhance it with a little sweetness, I really think the complexity of those flavors would, would meld together well. And so he agreed, and, and we went out and we bought 25 rum barrels. And they showed up at the distillery down in Bardstown, and the day they showed up, you know, they, they called me ahead of time and said, hey, they're going to be here tomorrow. So I went down there. Truck shows up. I threw up the door on the trailer. I jump up on the trailer, and I pulled the bums out of all 25 barrels. And I nosed them. 
I wanted to make sure those barrels were freshly dumped. So had that sweet rum smell, you know, they hadn't been sitting in a port somewhere, you know, turning sour or rancid or anything. And that's the thing you gotta be careful when you're, you're acquiring secondary barrels, but every single barrel was nice and sweet and was, was perfect. So wow. we put our rye that's in a there good point to make. And, yeah. and I tasted it every month. Um, <laughs> you, you gotta be careful that, you don't allow that secondary barrel to overpower the, the base whiskey flavor. I 100% you know? agree. Uh, there are some some rum fin. There's other. There's several finished whiskeys finished in secondary barrels. In, in my opinion, that have allowed they, they were in that secondary barrel too long. They allowed that secondary barrel to overtake the, the taste profile. And so for me, all I want to do is enhance it. So every check it every month because I didn't want to get too much rum flavor, too much sweetness. And after six months, I said, boom, that's it. we got to dump those barrels now. So we actually, uh, those barrels showed up in May of 2021. We filled them with the rye. I check it every month. In November, when I tasted it, I said, that's it. Let's dump it now. I don't want to add any more sweetness, any more rum flavor. And so in November 2021, we dumped those barrels, and we held it in a tank at Barrel Proof. Uh, the company, Grain and Barrel, didn't want to bottle it until the first quarter of, of 2022. And so it was actually bottled in the uh, end of February. But, uh, and then likewise, we talked a little bit about the proof, you know, typically I started barrel proof and I knock it down and here again, you know, if we bottle it 80 proof, that'd be great. We get all kind of more, a hell of a lot more bottles out of a barrel than, than, uh, you know, from a financial standpoint, right. But to maintain the integrity of, of the quality standards and the, and the quality reputation. Uh, I started it at 80 proof just to taste it. And it was just too dilute. Yeah. Tried it 86, tried it 90. I tried it 92. I tried it 93. And so I basically had, you know, some barrel proof whiskey here and I just keep pouring some out and keep knocking it down to the right proof till we got it to the point. Well, at 95, boom, that's where the flavors really kind of popped. Yeah. Okay. And so at 95 proof, that's why we came out on 95 proof. And, and, uh, again, it's ideal. The barrel proof was phenomenal, but, but again, <laughs> balance there. Okay. Well, with There's LTOs, you can between, you can usually charge a little more for LTOs. So, I mean, you, you could know, potentially. Usually, I mean, you up. know, the, the SRP on this is right at two hundred dollars anyway. So, yeah, wow. Oh, um, wow, nice. But it is it is it's phenomenal. So I'll, I'll uh, all right. That's how we came that up was, with it. And of course, the name, uh, you know, tying it back to the Caribbean and the islands, and I like and it. So uh, that's what it's called, Island Rooster. All right. So you built this up. So uh, here all we go. Right, man. Yeah. Again, won't hurt my feelings either way. But I, I love it. It's just. This hey. is my go-to after dinner drink. All right. I'm not a big dessert kind of guy. You know, I, I, every now and then I get a sweet tooth, but not, I don't need to, you know, eat a, a, a bucket full of chocolate to, to take care <laughs> of my sweet tooth, you know? I hear you. All right, Tyler, what's your nose? With your paper cup? <laughs> I know, like, so unfortunate because I'm like, uh, a little bit of sweetness with wax. <laughs> So just <laughs> delete the wax. What do you get? There's Brad? definitely a sweet. There's definitely sweetness. The rum comes through on the nose for sure. Yeah, I'm getting it's the, like that. It's king. not overpowering. No, 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 not at all. Which is exactly what Greg was talking about. I think that's you don't yeah. want it to exactly. to become exactly. a rum. You know, you want it to be a rum or a whiskey that's enhanced, right? By rum, right? Right. Just a kiss. So of one thing, there. not to go off brand here, but that's one thing I like about Blood Oath is one of the one yeah. of the ones they use has been, you know, uh, uh, barrel aged in a secondary. Yeah, secondarily aged in another <clears throat> barrel. Not all of them, and that's usually why it's just such a subtle extra flavor. And this is I'm getting that here too, which is nice. I'm getting the rum. I'm not getting any. I know it's only five points difference, two and a half percent, but I'm not getting any extra like ethanol mm -hmm. or anything either. Yeah. Um, but I'm getting the sweetness. I the the rye is poking through. I'll say I the rye sure. is definitely still poking. Yeah, through yeah. Me. The 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 <clears throat> rye agree. spice. The if I shove my nose in further, I get more the of the peppery. rye. Yeah, yeah. I get that too. You, I'm, I'm well, gonna if dive you put in it here. in too far, you're gonna get it wet. <laughs> He's the people schnoz over here. He's got a big got honker. this big nose, and I feel like I get all the surface area <laughs> to take all those notes in. Mm. Wow, so interesting. I hadn't quite got it in my mouth yet, but I oh, was, wow, yeah. but I was anticipating it. And right as it, I, I tasted oh, the man. rum immediately, but then the the uh, rye spice takes. Yeah, so, so it's a nice. I mean, it's pretty much everything you just said. It's it's. Um, it's like 
Go ahead, Tyler. But it's like a it's like a two flavored yes. combination. Yes. It's not like a all at once. It's like no. you know, it hits you with the sweetness and, and then you get the rind in the back the, side. Yeah, and so the, the 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 rum actually hit me before it even got in my yeah. mouth. That was yeah. what was interesting. I've never had that happen before. And then so I got the rum, like you said, that sweetness hit right away, and then boom, it finishes with the rye spice. It was it was the yeah. nice balance. They complement each other very yeah. well. Yeah, they do. Exactly. That's, That's a good word. I'm a little disappointed. That's phenomenal. Only, yeah, <laughs> there's only a third of this little uh, sample bottle they sent left, so you guys are going to have to. That's going to be hidden. We'll find it, Tyler. Don't worry, we'll find it. Yeah. 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 Tyler's not finding <laughs> anything. As I said, that's my that's my go-to for after dinner. Now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can I'll see I'll why. Put, put a little bit in the Karen and and if it's a hot day out or something, you know, I go outside, sit out in my bar. I got a bar and a pool outside, and I'll I'll sit out there. I'll throw an ice cube in there. And just to kind of cool it down a little bit, and that just even opened up the complexity even more. It's, it's phenomenal what you put a little water, a little ice in there, what it does too. I heard bar this, pool. Right, what, I know. Say that address was. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be over soon. So I think the rye shows a little bit more on this than actually. You know, I, I don't know if it's the rum, but like the rye pops a little bit more on this. I, and it's, it's by design. Um, it's by design. I agree yeah. with you completely. So the, then the then the rye whiskey you were talking about, right? Yeah, it makes me it makes me want the rye at like 110 proof. <laughs> <laughs> so I think to me, Tyler, what I think is happening is is the rum almost like cleanses the palate right yeah. before the rye hits it, and then yeah. so like the rye pops out even more. So it makes the rye kind of uh, pop, like you said, that yeah. sweetness, and then a pop of rye afterwards. I I, I agree completely. This is really I'll, good. Really I'll good. say that I usually do not like um, like. Cherry cast, rum, finished bourbons. This is not like anything I've ever had. You don't like the uh, Angels Envy rye? Because that's, I mean, uh, similar, right? I mean, typically, typically not. I mean, it's also a 95.5 and it's yeah. a rum finish. I, I like this better. I'm going yeah. to be yeah. honest. I, I like this better. But I, I was just yeah, not throwing stones. I think, you no, know, no, I like them both. Getting back to there, there, there are some that, that leave it in the rum barrel, in my opinion, for my palate too long. Too long. And yeah. it's, 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 I mean, that's, again, I do tastings all over the country. And then the first thing I tell people is, you know, a tasting is not an exam. You know, <laughs> what, what your nose smells and what right. your mouth it's a tastes is going to be totally different from the yeah. person next to you. So there's right. no wrong or right answer. 100% but, agree. Uh, again, for my palate, I, I think this was ideal. I just want to add just enough sweetness. Just enough rum flavor to enhance the base whiskey of the, the rye, the base taste of the rye. And hopefully we accomplish it. It's just enough. Like, it's just yeah. enough. No, that's, right. you're right, Tyler. Uh, so I'm like, a, I'm astounded by that. It's just like, it's just enough sweetness. Is it proprietary information about, like, where the rum barrels are from or... Like I know the boss that's, hog. That's, that's a one Philippine of those things that or... I said I'll be transparent as I can. That's and, one. Uh, that's yeah, okay. I can sign okay. a non-disclosure. That's fine. I can tell you it is sugarcane based rum, not molasses based. Okay. Sugarcane based rum. That's what I was getting. From the at. Caribbean. All right. Okay. That's where I was getting. So, like you know, the boss hog that These from this last Jack year was from Philippines. The Philippines. <laughs> Jack Sparrows. <laughs> so the, the personal <laughs> barrels. The boss. The boss hog was from the Philippines rum. So that, that's why I was wondering. Yet yeah. that's. Uh, whether it was molasses versus sugarcane, that was what I was getting at. So, right, right. not not telling me where. That's that's actually what I was trying to get to. So that's okay. good. That's good info. Um, no, this is this is outstanding. This is delicious. I would hunt for this. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually disappointed that this was the least I received. <laughs> but at two hundred at two hundred dollars, right, I can understand. Right. Totally. Well, you got to appreciate it again. It's very limited edition. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, no, we, I, we did two runs of it actually, but we um, we bottled it the first bottling. In, in I said the end of February when we dumped those barrels back in, in November of 2021 there was so much rum I noticed the barrels again there was so much rum flavor still left in those barrels that I refilled them and we oh, did wow. a second edition of them uh, the first edition I think it was a little over a thousand six pack case a little over six thousand bottles and that's you know when you're shipping to 42 states that's not a hell of a lot right and so right. some states it was, were allocated some states didn't get it at all but then when we did the second run, uh, which was bottled here probably what month, a little over a month ago, about a month ago, I guess it was, um, you know, of course, that second time it sat in the barrels uh, a little over seven months. Sure. You know, it took a little bit longer because yeah, every yeah. time you use that barrel, you, you're going to have it's less and less right. flavor and color to extract out of it. But to get comparable flavor from the first run, uh, it took about a little over seven months to uh, 
uh, you know, to, to bring it into to full view. But it's uh, mm -hmm. the second round, you know, the states that didn't get any in the first allocation got got some cases in every state. <clears throat> I, I've done some some market visits and within the first week they're sold out. It's just I yeah. mean, when people taste it. Holy cow. It doesn't surprise me. Right. I mean, to be honest, I, and people are paying that $200 price tag, especially oh, yeah. if it's good. So, I mean, that's yes. a great segue real quick. So, and you may not be a hundred percent, I'm sure you are, but you may not have them memorized, but where can we find chicken cock whiskey and the Island rooster? It's probably sold out, but, but if it were not sold out, where would, where would those locations be? You know, if, if you go on to the website, uh, chicken cock whiskey, dot com i think it is uh there should be a, a finder on there where you can click on oh to cool and, and i think i again i haven't been on there myself but people tell me that you, you can like put punch in your your zip code mm -hmm. and it should tell you the stores locally in Close that area by. that they yeah. carry it so how many do you know how many states you're in um, well, right. Last I checked, we were right at 42 states, I think. 42 states. Okay. Yeah. Ohio is one of them. 42 are getting the Island Rooster because, again, it's such a limited edition. Because right. I have not seen the Island Rooster. and Ohio has it. Ohio, it should be in Ohio. Yeah, yeah, I just, in our city, I haven't seen it. I see Chicken Cock and the, both the rye and the, uh, the bourbon, bourbon, Yeah. but I hadn't seen the Island Rooster, so... Uh, not to say we haven't gotten it because there are weeks that I miss allocation days right. and stuff like that, Same. but... Um, so that's, that's awesome. So we have, luckily we are a, uh, control state. So we have a, a website you can go to, to see where things are available. Um, so, you know, if you are in Ohio, check it out, see if, uh, see if the Island rooster is available. Um, if it's not grab the regular ride, cause yeah, it's freaking delicious. It is. Too. It's outstanding. I, I, I am pleasantly surprised by everything I've had this evening. Yeah. Um, I'm now a fan. I, not that I wasn't a fan of the naming <laughs> and the bottles before, but now I'm actually a fan of what's inside the bottles. Yeah. Um, so this is, I'm, yeah, I love the bottles. I'm too. upset we didn't do, do this earlier. To be yeah. Honest. Agree. So, yeah. um, Greg, uh, how often do you go down to a bar sound? Uh, when I need to, I, I actually taste our whiskey every six months has been aged. Yeah. And so okay. I'm, I'm actually going down here uh, this next, uh, probably the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, every year it's either either February or March wow, is when we good. usually produce mm -hmm. and, and and lay it down, except for the first year. Um, and so um, uh, I get down there at least, well, like I said every six months for the the the, uh, uh, the sampling. Um, basically, we made a thousand. We laid down a thousand barrels of bourbon in February, so mm -hmm. I was down there for that production, and then we laid down two hundred barrels of rye in March. And again, that's not a lot of whiskey, you know, respectively. Yeah. That's it. That's all we produce for the year. And yeah. we're trying wow. to grow that. And one of the things that, that Bardstown, I don't know if you guys probably heard that, but Bardstown committed to an expansion. They're actually in the process of building a whole new distillery. It's going to increase their capacity another 50%. Wow. And hopefully we'll, we'll, we're one of those companies that should be able to take advantage of that because they were sold out for the next three to five years. Wow. You know, for, well, I was going to say, you know, we, uh, my birthday is in early December, and we always take a, you know, first week of December trip down to, uh, well, we take many trips. It happens Kentucky, to coincide with the repeal weekend. Or, uh, yeah, we always take a, you know, this will be our fourth year of taking a, uh, a big trip down there. And it would be awesome to, to meet you at uh, Barstown and just kind of. Well, that's, join. it's interesting you said that, Tiger. That's the other thing I do. You know, when, when I do travels to markets and that, you know, whether it's a, a, a retailer that's done a great job for us or whatever. I mean, you know, guys like you who are so important to this industry of promoting the, the brands and, and the industry in general, you know, I deeply appreciate that. And so if you're coming to Bardstown, any of you guys, come on down. You let me know you're coming. Give me advance notice so I can check my schedule, make sure I'm in town or available. But I'd love to give you a VIP tour. I take people on, on tours, uh, you know, industry folks like you guys, um, that uh, I give them the VIP tour, kind of show them the the, the backside of, of uh, you know the distillery and, and uh, go through That's the awesome. whole process. Then we also do what what I call a progressive tasting. I'll let you taste the whiskey, you know, at 125 proof, oh, uh, wow. clear as water right before it goes into the barrel, and then I'll let you taste, you know, after it's say a year old, two years, three years, all the way through, so you, you can understand and get a better feel for the progression of what takes place. You know, one of the things we didn't talk about. One of the things unique for chicken cock whiskey is that uh, I have 
I not only have oversight for what happens at the distillery, I have oversight from bark to barrel to bourbon to bottle, okay? Remember I worked in the cooperage, right? So I know how important that oh, white yeah. oak is. Mm -hmm. And so one of the early clients I picked up, about the same time I picked up Grain and Barrel, was a group of guys in uh, White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. I don't know if you guys are familiar yep. with that part of the Appalachian Mountains. But I am. That's where my family's from. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, not, in not White Sulphur White Springs, Springs, there's this little resort called the Greenbrier. Yeah, Greenbrier. Yeah, we know yeah. the Greenbrier. Yeah, we do. So you're probably familiar with that. But other than the Greenbrier, there's not a lot in those hills right there. No, there's not. And uh, it's pretty economically depressed. Well, <laughs> one, one Christmas party, a bunch of members of the Greenbrier got together. And one of these guys is a guy by the name of Tag Gallion. Tag is one of the co-founders of Smooth Amber Distillery, which you guys are probably familiar with. Yeah. Yep. In Maxilton, yeah, Maxilton, West Virginia. And Tag was telling these guys, he said, you know what? He says, uh, you know, they're trying to come up with a business. Uh, it's great jobs for that economically depressed area. And, and so Tag says, you know, I've been having a hard time getting barrels the last couple of years. He said, hell, we got we got all kinds of white oak in these Appalachian mountains. Instead of seeing those trees cut and shipped overseas, let's cut them and, and make barrels out of them. And so they reached out to a consultant they were using, and he immediately called me and said, hey, Greg, you want to take us over? This is right in your wheelhouse. I said, sure. So anyhow, I did, first thing I did was a market feasibility study for him and showed that by 2019, the demand for new barrels was going to exceed the available supply. Yeah. In other words, the, the, the production capacity that the existing cooperages were able to build. And that happened. And even today, the demand shot even higher than what I projected from my study. And, and uh, by March of this year, if you didn't have barrels that you needed for the year, you were screwed. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I mean, there, there's a lot of distilleries that aren't able to make as much whiskey they wanted to this year because they can't get barrels. Yeah. All the all the cooperages were, were tapped out and, and on, on orders they couldn't take any more orders. So, anyhow, long story short, these guys, I helped them um, design their cooperage. I helped them build a stave mill. I went out there and trained their employees how to quarter saw white oak, you know, how to cut staves and heading, you know, what defects to look for, right. how to edge them up, how to stack them so you get good airflow through it. And then when they got the uh, the Cooperage built, I went out and helped train their employees uh, how to build a good quality barrel. So through That's that awesome. relationship for chicken cock, I go out there a year in advance and I go out to the, the stave mill, to their log yard. And I personally select the logs that we're going to use to cut into staves and heading. And we're going to air dry them for 10 to 12 months. And then the following year, I go out there about a week and a half before we're scheduled to make our whiskey, be it the bourbon or the rye. And I go out there and they bring that wood in uh, natural air dried, they'll, they'll equalize it to 9 to 14% moisture. And then as they build those barrels, I'm there to see every barrel built, make sure every barrel uh, meets our toasting specifications of a medium plus toast. And then it also meets our charring specifications later in the process for a number three level char. And so I, I'm there to oversee that. And it, it kind of helps. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a freak on process control. It really controls all the processes. When you're able to do that, you get a, you're able to maintain the consistency of that high quality from barrel to barrel to barrel to barrel. And so, um, you know, I, I'm a, a, a big proponent of that, but, but basically I do have oversight from bark to barrel to bourbon to bottle all the way through it. And, and, that's awesome. uh, and it's critical. Yeah, no, no, that's great. So we're over an hour into this. I know that we only had an hour scheduled. Um, I just wanted to say, so you're right. It is chickencockwhiskey.com. E in the word whiskey like there's any other way um <laughs> unless you're a uh, maker's mark i guess uh but uh yeah so chicken cock whiskey check them out find out where you can buy chicken cock whiskey um it is available in ohio uh 42 other states or 42 states i should say uh in addition 41 others 41 others yes that's a better way to say it um but yeah greg thank you for coming on this has been an amazing hour yeah, like this was great your history the the company's history uh, the bourbon itself, the whiskey, it's been outstanding, and I've really enjoyed having you on. Um, I don't know why we took so long to have you on the show because – Yeah, this was phenomenal. I yeah. enjoyed every second of this. For sure. For I'm, sure. I'm constantly surprised on the – you know, the people in the industry that just yes. make good bourbon. Yeah. And they're, you know, it's sorry it's not Ron Foreman, Wild Turkey, or Buffalo yeah. Trace. It doesn't have to but be. There's good bourbon everywhere. Right. And this Agreed. is it. Yeah, no, I, I, everything I had. It was tonight. great history, too. Yep, 100%. So, Greg, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, it's been an hour out of your day. I know you're busy, and, and uh, this means a lot to us. 
but uh, thank you again. We'll definitely be reaching out to you, though, the, uh, when we uh, come into town on in December, see if you can uh, swing by. Meet up so, with us, yeah. Yeah, yeah for, for sure, yeah. It was my pleasure, guys. And, I, again, I appreciate the opportunity. And I appreciate what you guys do to promote the industry as well. So thank you so much. All right, thank All you. Right. Have a great night. Thank you so much. See you. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining in for yet another episode of the bourbon hunters if you like what you hear please leave us a good rating on apple podbean google or wherever you are listening it definitely helps us to get great guests on our show and follow us on instagram and the facebooks to keep up to date with what is in our glass as always sit back grab a pour kick up your feet and enjoy some bourbon <laughs>